You are listening to the Seattle Growth Podcast. Available for free on iTunes. I'm Jeff Shulman, a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business, and I'm excited to welcome you back for another episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Each episode in the sixth season of Seattle Growth Podcast is spotlighting interesting people in Seattle who are building community and bringing people together. Today's episode is focused on building community in a dynamic city through entertainment. From sports to comedy, you'll hear it here on Seattle Growth Podcast. First, you'll hear from John Barr of NHL to Seattle. He rallied together a community of hockey supporters who wanted to see a professional hockey team land in Seattle. He talks about how he built first an online community of over 10,000 people strong, which has then helped forge strong friendships among people in the Seattle area who love or are learning to love hockey. He provides valuable lessons for anyone hoping to build community and shares his emotions as he was recognized when Seattle was awarded an expansion NHL franchise. You will also hear from Alex Grindeland, founder of CSZ Seattle, who has built a community of improv performers. This community has brought performers together and entertained thousands of spectators who've enjoyed comedy sports in the Fremont location. Grindelin shares how passion for improv comedy has evolved into a business that plays home to comedy sports, a fast-paced comedy show pitting two teams of comedians against each other. If you are looking for a community that's right for you, you just might find it in today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. If you are looking to build your own community, you'll hear lessons of how to start and nurture a group. Whether you've lived here your whole life or just joining the city, these interviews give insight about Seattle, how it was, how it is changing, and where the city is going. Before we get to the first interview, I want to make sure that you know that you can see my new documentary, On the Brink, at the Northwest African American Museum on Tuesday, June 25th. The premiere of On the Brink sold out, and I don't want you to be left out of the important conversations that the film is sparking. Get your tickets today at www.onthebrinkmovie.com. That's www.onthebrinkmovie.com. Now, join me as I sit down with John Barr. I am here with John Barr, the chief instigator of NHL to Seattle. John, you're a two-time Seattle Growth Podcast guest. Thank you for joining me today. I'm happy to be here. Uh, So we're here to talk about uh, finding community in a dynamic city, and we're going to get into what all the hard work you've put into NHL to Seattle, uh, National Hockey League to Seattle, and in case people want to know, you have been (laughs) successful uh, in rallying support, and now a team is coming. Uh, But before we get to there, tell me about what brought you to Seattle. I took a job at Microsoft um, in 2004. And didn't, I just knew I was living in Reno at the time and wanted to kind of find a bigger city. And uh, Seattle's always been on my radar as far as one of those cool northwest cities that I wanted to live in and, and experience a, a kind of a bigger city than Reno, Nevada. I grew up in San Francisco, but, you know, adult life, I wanted to be in a, a bigger city. And so you came here in 2004. Uh, Seattle Growth Podcast is that for a reason. Seattle is growing and changing dramatically in your time here. What changes have struck you most? There's a lot. Um, the density, obviously, is a big thing. Um, you know, with density comes the traffic and the people. I, you know, I live right off Stone Way. And Stone Way, when I first moved here, was industrial and, and rather dead. It was fine. It was a fine, but it was, it was dead at night. Now it's, there's restaurants and bars and 
One thing that's nice is just people walking around at night. And, and you know, I don't know if the listeners have been to New York City, but one thing I, I love about New York City is I feel safe because there's so many people. And I think density has a, a way of creating more safety in in people. And, and you just feel a little bit more comfortable and, and getting to interact with people. And so interacting with people is one thing you've done both online and in person with NHL to Seattle. Tell me about what it is and then... What motivated you to get it started? Well, it started just a, kind of a grassroots effort to start connecting people in the hockey community, whether it be playing or being fans. As m- probably most people know around the area, there's a, there's a big Sonics community here, and, and I thought I could try to replicate and support anything that would help bring the NHL to Seattle. And because, you know, one thing that w- I'm sure we'll get into it a bit, but there's a lot of hockey fans here, but we're all kind of um, disconnected because we're all rooting for different teams. And so you can't really go, you know, in the you know in the break room at work on Mondays and talk about the game last night like you can with the Seahawks or the Mariners. That because we're all rooting and watching different teams, and and that's been part of the journey is kind of connecting these people that didn't even realize how big the hockey community was in Seattle. And. Uh... We're going to get to the, I wouldn't say end result because you're still going. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk about, you know, you, you've you made a mark. You were in all the press as the NHL announcement came. So the, the people who brought NHL to Seattle recognized your efforts, uh, from my understanding, uh, right? Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of reached out and um, you were kind of educating me on what their plans were. And, and um, I thought our goals were aligned bringing the club here bringing an nhl team here so yeah i've been connected with them for a bit and, and so this is so cool uh that just one man comes here in 2004 and says let's bring hockey to fans together and now you're hobnobbing uh, you probably wouldn't call it hobnobbing. <laughs> yeah i wouldn't say that <laughs> but now now you're interacting with uh the people bringing hockey to seattle walk us back to the beginning though how did you take the first steps to finding people and connecting people and bringing them together so I'll, I'll go even further back. So the, the movement didn't really start till 2010. So I moved here in 2004, and I realized how big hockey was here compared to where I grew up in the Bay Area. So I'm like, oh, this would be a great market. First thing I did when I moved here was um, started playing hockey and connecting with – and that's, that's a form of community in itself, obviously, because I didn't know any – I didn't know many people. I should say I, I did know some people, but I didn't know many people and started playing hockey then you start to meet other people that play hockey. And so now you have like some hockey fans. So fast forward about five years. So about 2010, I, you know, there was kind of some movement and some chatter about potentially the NHL coming here, potentially some arena work for Sonics, et cetera. So I just started kind of putting a newsletter together, like emailing friends and people that I interacted with. And, um, you know, some people responded really well and, and kind of, in a way, helped me feel confident about what I'm doing, giving me somewhat of an endorsement, just self, right? Not, they're not publishing anything, but but just making me feel like this, I'm on the right track. And, you know, then kind of social media starts to manifest and Facebook and Twitter starts to, you know, be more relevant. Started connecting people that way. Um, still sent newsletters to their pretty close friends and then people would be added to it. And just tried to um, help 
connect people and, and kind of educate people because you, you can read a, or watch a two-minute news clip without context and you have no idea what that really means in the grand scheme of things. So I would do a healthy amount of kind of interpreting that and putting context around that and what that means and why maybe we shouldn't get super excited about any one news moment. It's really a, a long process and, and um, what, you know, I mean, you know, the Facebook group's 17,000 uh, people strong now and I remember getting to 300 and I was really stoked about it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, um, you know, there's been some cool moments. We've had a, a media talk back where he had a panel up at the Angry Beaver. It's a hockey bar in town. This might have been six years ago now. I kind of lose track of everything that happened. but um, And it was the middle of summer. It was really warm. It was like a midweek. And we had a couple of media people talking. And I, and I moderated the panel. And the bar was packed of hockey fans. And it was kind of one of those moments where I'm like, wow. Like, this is, this is rolling, right? This yeah. is working. And, uh, you know, I still remember a lot of the people I met at that, that night. And uh, it was pretty cool. And it was just... It was when we were tiny, what we were, the community, as far as our community, we were tiny, um, but it was connecting with those people. And then seeing them now, it's like practically have tears, you know, when we see each other because we've both been in it for so long. Yeah. And so this is kind of an interesting arc because it starts with kind of physical community of, of playing hockey together, then goes more to a virtual community or an online community where you're doing a newsletter. you got 17,000 Facebook fans. Uh, or followers, um, uh, uh, thousands of Twitter followers. 11,000, yeah. So, <laughs> and, and so then you, you, you've brought people together online, uh, but then you go back and start connecting people physically again. Talk about what you've done to bring the community together, uh, meeting face-to-face. Well, I realized like meeting face-to-face was kind of an important component and making those connections are pretty, are a big deal. Like, and it's also personally important to me. And so throughout the years, we would have watch parties. I think I did a holiday party here and there. And they would be small, you know, 30 to 40 people. But they were important for us to connect and kind of get together um, and meet each other. And, and, you know, I have tons of relationships that I've met at those kind of um, functions, whether it be, you know, a, a watch party or, you know, I do some stuff with the charity. And I would think we talked about that last time about the Ronald McDonald house hockey challenge. I mean, it's, it's pretty much, that's how I meet people really. And, and I have tons of friends that way. So how have you felt seeing this? You know, you got excited when there were 300. Now you have 17,000, you've got all these events, you're connecting with the actual people bringing hockey to Seattle. How have you felt, um, seeing this community grow? It's pretty emotional at times, right? Um, uh, I didn't know where I was going, to be honest. Uh, I knew the goal, and I wasn't sure how much I could contribute. Or I, sh- I say me, but really, it's it it is the community. And and you know, there's conversations I've had with whether it be friends or or um, people I've met along the way that have given me confidence and and given me the you know just the, the it's hard to explain, right? They they basically give me the confirmation that I'm on the right path and um, and they're with me, right? There's people that have 
you know, I, I think about this online thing I did back, I think it was 2013 or 2012 to start the season. I'd have people send me pictures of them wearing hockey jerseys at the beginning of the, the season. And I think the first year I got 18 pictures and it was really cool. And I put them on uh, uh, a photo montage online and I look back at it, you know, this year and I'm like, I know 90% of the people there when I didn't back then. Yeah. And so it's connecting with them. That's, that's been pretty unreal. And, and I feel, you know, when I see these people out in the public, cause I run into them in events or I'm now friends with them, you know, we hug each other cause we've been along for the, the long haul and it doesn't, you don't have to be there at the beginning to be part of the community. You know, I try to be as, as welcoming as we can. Um, because we all have our biases and, and, tendencies, but um, I want to kind of welcome anybody who's who wants to learn about hockey, uh, who's been a hockey fan all along, or just wants to be part of a community and something bigger. And, and uh, it's been it's been a, quite the journey. And now if, if somebody is feeling lost and alone in this city that's, that's changing either because they're new here or because uh, they've just seen the changes around them, and they want to build a community of their own, do you have any lessons from how you successfully brought so many people together uh, that they could take, whether it's hockey, knitting, or what other um, community they want to build? I think the big thing is just sticking to it. Um, you know, like I said, it was pretty small in the beginning, and it was pretty quiet. And as much as I wanted to move things faster, I, there's there's only so much I could do. And it needs to happen naturally. So I would I would recommend being it for the long haul and the and the the, the right reasons. Um, you know, one thing I I made sure is I was had some kind of clear principles, and it was bringing a team here in a sustainable way. And so it wasn't you know a huge subsidy to the city. I didn't want to see that. Um, and I think it's just having some guiding principles and sticking to it. And that helps you deal with kind of situations that come up where it does this help your costs? Does, for me, it was, does this help bring a team here? Whether it be showing up at city council meetings, advocating online, or, or just getting people together. And I always felt like those helped me kind of form the community and people recognize that it's about the cause. It's not really about me. Like, to be honest, early on, I didn't, I didn't have my name associated to it. I was just some obscure NHL to Seattle. Now, some people definitely knew who I was. And then when you start meeting people in public, it, you know, the uh, truth gets away, out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, secret identity. You know, like I, I didn't want anything distracted at work and people to kind of realize what was, what would I was doing. So, um, but I think it's, it's sticking to it and, and, not getting discouraged that light attendance or or people slow to adopt and you know there's been plenty of times at city council meetings where I get 20 people say they're going to be there yeah and only three show up yeah and I can't let that get to me and I can't abandon those 17 that bailed on me yeah because it's you know things come up like we get that um, and it's just kind of being able to power through that and mentally getting through that because that was there's some dark days in my in in this journey and uh you know if i would have you know 
turned the keys in and and kind of said no i'm i'm done who knows yeah and so are there any lessons for the person who may not have the same stick to itness that somebody who may not want to actually build themselves a community but want to feel like they belong here um from your experience journey well, i think it's just connecting trying to find smaller communities or or other communities to be a part of um you know i don't i i think sometimes it takes some leadership um skills to kind of do this but if if you're not comfortable with leading the charge try to figure a way to get to participate in other ways and then maybe you can take on more expansive roles within those communities whether it be the dance community um you know music community uh you know there's there's urban growth there's tons of communities out there that you could pretty much find anything whether it be you know meet up dot com find a group that you're um passionate about or whatever and and just slowly get involved and see what try to try to stretch and and grow those communities themselves and now you have nhl to seattle but now it, nhl is going to be in seattle are you changing the name uh yeah i don't I mean, are you calling I, it quits? What? what no, I, I don't. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, we're. I'm still doing a lot of um, blogging, and and I have a podcast now, and it's just kind of expanding the role a bit. We we've done, you know, just last weekend we did a watch party, and that was a lot of fun to connect with new people that some just moved here and some have been here the whole time, and uh, I. I like that. I love the community aspect of this thing. And that's, it's funny, you know, you asked me to be on the show is one thing I've realized through this process is how important community is to me, whether it be, you know, you know, video games or hockey or music or performing arts, like those community aspects are really important to me. And and so I want to keep doing that, whether it be hockey related or something else. It's, uh, it's been eye-opening for me because it's a journey that I've, I've kind of experienced firsthand. And I know how, Pat, you know, there's, there hasn't been a dime in this thing for me. Yeah. And I put so many hours into it, but I would not have d- done it any other way, right? It's it's awesome, and I love that it's it's about the cause and, and the community, not necessarily payout at the end, if you will. Because I, I think I'm getting the payout just being part of it. It's a, important to me. And so you've, you've highlighted that one of the biggest payoff is just – meeting new people and making new friends. But let's also stargaze for a moment. Who's the coolest person that you've met along the way because of all your hard work? Ooh, that's a tough question. I guess that's not yeah. fair to the, uh, half the people, whoever yeah. you don't mention. Well, let uh, me... Talk about, talk about what, what you've... Uh, some of the people you've been pretty excited to meet. You know, I'll, I'll, the first time I met Tim Lewicki, um, who's the uh, essentially the arena developer was pretty cool because he was uh, president of AEG, which was the LA Kings. And then after that, he was president of Maple Leaf Sports, which is Toronto Maple Leafs. I knew about how big this guy was for years. And he was an icon and a big player. And um, I, they set up a meeting so I could meet him. And, and I was like, scared out of my mind <laughs> but it was a it was a lot of fun because i knew he, he was a huge titan and and that's kind of one of the tipping points where i thought oh my this this might be it 
did he reach my... out to you or did you reach out to him? He reached out. He reached out to me. I mean, through his people, right? Through his people. That's <laughs> when you know you've arrived when somebody's yeah. people reach out to yeah. you. <laughs> but so... I don't have any people for the for the record. So um... I was lucky enough to get you directly. I, I'm pretty proud of myself. Pretty proud I'm that we're. Pr- I'm pretty accessible. Let's be, let's be clear here. Um, I want to give you a chance to plug. Um, so if somebody wants to get involved with NHL to Seattle, what are some things that you would like them to do and how can they find out about it? Well, um, NHL to Seattle is across all platforms. And I think of it as a network um, a bit because there's, it's so all over the place. Um, we have a blog on online and we try to um, help Talk about hockey come around. We have a new podcast called Sound of Hockey. Hopefully that doesn't compete with you directly. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you can always reach out to me if there's something, you, a question you have or something you want to get involved in. Um, and it, we're across Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. You know, it's – and then um, just kind of keep your ears open for hockey events. Um, I put on watch parties and other events. We might do some stuff in the summer just to connect the community. And um, so, how I'll, do you connect during the summer? What, if there's no hockey, what do you connect over? Well, we could do some just where we talk about hockey. Actually, I put on a, a Seattle Hockey Analytics Conference um, back in March. I was actually at UW, and it was connecting hockey analytics community. Now, a bunch of people came in from out of town, but it was a, it was so. Now I'm even the small community of hockey analytics people. So imagine it like. Um, um, Billy Bean and uh, Moneyball, but for hockey. So it's connecting those people, and we had a conference. So I think there's opportunities for us to kind of get together and talk some hockey analytics. We can speculate on the team name. We could speculate on ticket prices or or where we want to sit. Or we could just go check out a, a music show down at uh, the mural at um, Key Arena, so outside Key Arena. But, you know, we don't always have to talk about hockey, but – it helps. Hockey's just what brings you together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so NHL to Seattle, and then the Sound of Hockey, Sound of Hockey podcast. And, yeah. and what do you do on the? What do, what do people listen here if they listen to the Sound of Hockey podcast? Well, we we talk any local news which uh, are around hockey um, doesn't always happen, but um, we have some news stuff, and then we talk about what's going on in the league, how that might impact Seattle or might not. Um, any coaches changes, high, key hires. We talk about hockey, and we're trying to hopefully bring people along for the ride, too, that, that are – because we've heard from a ton of listeners that are saying new to hockey, want to get into it, want to get ready for 2021. So we're trying to kind of bridge that gap and kind of bring people along. Um, it's been fun. That's been a lot of fun, too. And, and it's what's awesome is just connecting with listeners outside who are just running into people who are like, oh, I love the podcast. I'm like, really? Like – it's it's really it's really been eye opening and and we're pretty proud of it too. We've done it all all hockey season, so we started in September. Congrats! So Thank Sound you. of Hockey podcast. Uh, people listening obviously love podcasts. That's right, right uh, at the market, yeah. and they've got room for one more. Uh, so Sound of Hockey podcast. Whether you love hockey already or you want to figure out why are people so excited <laughs> about 2021 and why did John Barr spend uh, the last nine years of his life <laughs> trying to bring this sport here to Seattle. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about NHL to Seattle, uh, the hockey community that you've built here um, and been a part of here um, and just building a community in general. Any concluding thoughts? Um, no, it's just um, 
whether it be hockey or music, like I said, it's communities are really important. And um, it, one thing I've loved is is us having a common way to talk and sometimes having commonality and, and at least having dialogue when we're talking about hockey. And I think sports provides that, uh, that, that kind of other avenues of life don't. So whether you're sitting at a game with a, next to a complete stranger, you might strike up a conversation, but at least you're starting to talk, right? Even if your political views are completely polar different, polar opposite, at least you're kind of talking. And I think that's a, that's a hidden value in sports and sports communities in general. I don't want to go too deep here, but um, that's been, that's, I think, a, one of the benefits of, of sports communities in general. John, thank you very much for your time and perspective. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. John shared the non-monetary benefits that he's experienced from tirelessly working to forge a community of hockey fans. My next guest was able to build a business out of bringing people together to enjoy either performing or watching improv comedy. Before we get to my interview with CSZ Seattle's Alex Grindeland, I want to remind you that if you missed out on the sold-out red carpet premiere of On the Brink, you could catch the film at the Northwest African American Museum on Tuesday, June 25th. Head to www.onthebrinkmovie.com to get tickets. As written in Crosscut, the history lesson here is one all Seattleites would benefit from learning. And as King Five's New Day Northwest host, Margaret Larson, implored her audience, please go see this film. Get your tickets ahead of time at www.onthebrinkmovie.com. Now, join me as I sit down with Alex Grindeland. I am here with Alex Grindeland. He is the owner and manager of CSZ Seattle, home of comedy sports. Alex, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we're here to talk about building, uh, building or finding community in a, in a dynamic city, you know, mm-hmm. where people are, and money moving in and then people moving out. Mm-hmm. And before we talk about how you've built a community with uh, CSZ Seattle and, and comedy sports, tell me what brought you to this city in the first place. You are one of the many people who are coming here in droves. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I moved here in 2011, and I moved here with the intention of starting a, a comedy sports producing theater. Um, I moved here, I, I, you know, I grew up in Wisconsin. Uh, I performed with the comedy sports group there. Uh, and I moved here, uh, I, I, I mean, the only reason I left Wisconsin is because it's too cold there. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm from the Midwest, so I could relate. Um, yeah. And so how of all the cities that you could choose to build a, a comedy community, why'd you choose Seattle? Good question. Um, well, I didn't want to move to New York, Chicago, or L.A., because um, I just am not, I'm, I'm just not very New York or LA uh, as a person. Um, so I ended up choosing Seattle, um, uh, probably very much on just sort of a guttural, like uh, I liked Soundgarden when I was in high school kind of a way. Yeah. I just kind of, um, I had been to Ireland a couple times and I really liked the weather in Ireland and someone told me at some point like the weather in Seattle was similar to Ireland. So it was really just mostly a weather thing, honestly. Okay, so yeah. it was too cold in Wisconsin, weather here was good, Soundgarden was here, mm-hmm. and it's not New York or LA. Right, yeah. I mean, I like wearing jeans and a hooded sweatshirt all the time every day and so that's kind of, Seattle's perfect for that. You've been here for now almost eight years mm-hmm. what changes have struck you most in the time you've been here uh the rent increases i suppose uh, everything getting more expensive all the time yeah you actually came here to seattle with the intent to build something mm-hmm. um what motivated you to build comedy sports community um and actually 
before we get there, maybe tell me what it was comedy sports and tell me about the community that you've built. And yeah. then we'll get to why and how. Sure. So, I mean, so our, um, we do a bunch of different shows through CSE Seattle, uh, but our flagship show is called Comedy Sports. Uh, there's a referee and two teams of improv comedians, and they're competing to be the funnier team. Um, I uh, have been doing this show uh, in one way or another since I was like 16 years old. I was in the Comedy Sports High School League in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, and uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's you know, I, when I was in high school and uh, I was in high school league and there was like the pro players on the weekends, I'd go see the show. I thought, oh, this is really cool. And eventually I learned that there was, you know, um, at the time we'll say 25 plus uh, places around the country and the world that did comedy sports. Um, and then now there's maybe 29 or 30 places that do comedy sports um, and they have a world championship every year. Um, so that's what comedy sports is, um, and we are the Seattle version. Tell me a little bit about the first steps you took to bringing people together around a common interest in entertaining people mm -hmm. with improv and a referee in between. Yeah. So when I first moved here, I didn't immediately start doing the comedy sports, um, the show called comedy sports, because uh, that's a complicated thing to train people to do. Um, and so what I did instead was I started an improv an improv jam uh, at a place called the Fremont Abbey Art Center uh, in Fremont, and uh, uh, you know I kind of just came here and started doing shows and getting to know people in the in and around improv, and then I started doing this weekly jam, and so in other words I kind of built my own island of misfits, island of misfit toys. Um, and uh, we would just get together every Wednesday, uh, and and do an imp and I would run the for for the first hour just like some warm ups and exercises and you know getting people kind of having a good time, but then focusing on one aspect of doing improv uh, for, for 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 performance. And then the second hour, we would just take turns. Groups of five would get up on the stage and you know, entertain everyone else there that was at the jam. So it was like a very participatory community event. Um, uh, it was kind of perfect at the time because it was right across the street from Picado Bueno, which is a, uh, it's a Mexican food restaurant. So it's like every Wednesday, people be it became their habit to come to the improv jam. Um, and then afterwards, people would go across the street for tacos and tequila and whatever have you. So it, was, it really built a, a community around that. And... Um... Yeah, you know, how so so how did you find people that were interested in this? So I know you just said you you went to the Fremont Abbey mm -hmm. and you just started doing it, but how did this as you call them collection of misfits, how did they sure ultimately coalesce and come together and find each other? Yeah, so I mean there was um the, uh, there were other things that were maybe a little more disjointed than what I was doing. There was um, something called the monthly improv mashup, and there was um, uh, other a handful of other things that were like that. So I think maybe my, mine kind of caught stride because I would go to those other ones and then just tell people about the one I was running, and mine was just the most consistent. It was every single Wednesday from 8 to 10. Um, we never, for two years straight, I never took a, a Wednesday off of doing that. Um, and so it just, it was, it, it, people found it because, I mean, I, I did normal things like I put up flyers and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it was mostly just word of mouth eventually that grew it and grew it and grew it. Um, so once I had my community of people, um, I held auditions for comedy sports. So, I, and you know, obviously you kind of, by at that point you kind of have in your mind, like who you want, you're like, oh, that person, that person, you know, so that, that was kind of the way. 
And uh, so if I had a takeaway, if somebody else is trying to build a community, mm-hmm. kind of finding an existing one that may be tangentially or closely related and then just being consistent in doing it uh, regularly and then people start to, to follow you? Oh, yeah. I think consistency is key. Um, I would say the same thing with, like, for example, our comedy sports shows. When we started, it was hard. It was harder to get traction because we didn't have a consistent time to perform. Right, we were had to perform around the schedule of the theater that we performed at. So it was really when we got our own space uh, that uh, that even took off even more. So and so, where did you find your own space now? Uh, over in Fremont, uh, there's uh, we're at a place uh, that we you know we we, we call the Atlas Theater. Um, when I moved in there, uh, it was. Well, I'll put it this way, is that I had an agreement with another theater uh, where we, per- we performed basically in any of the time slots they weren't using. So at the time, you know, for the first almost two years of comedy sports being in Seattle, uh, you know, our schedule was like, come see us this Friday at 8, Saturday at 10.30. We don't have any shows the following weekend, but the weekend after that we have a show at, at, at 10.30 on Saturday, and, and, and then the week after that we have one show on Friday at 10.30 and then both shows on Saturday. Um, so it was just, it was a confusing schedule. So uh, I realized at a certain point that we needed to kind of grow, we had grown up, grown beyond that and we needed our own venue. Uh, and someone had told me that there was a theater in Fremont uh, that no one was using. And so I literally started walking into establishments going, hey, this is a weird question, but is, is there a, a, a hidden theater in the back of your store? Uh, and uh, most people said no, but uh, <laughs> one of the places yeah. said, yeah, actually, there is. Wow. <laughs> so I, uh, they showed me this this theater space that was – they they had been trying to use uh, – it was a it – was the front of the store was a vintage clothing store um, called Atlas Clothing, which is why we're the, now the Atlas Theater. Um, and then so they showed me, and I was like, oh, wow, no nobody's using this. So I just talked with the owner and said, well, you know, we, we worked out a deal. Um, and, uh, now actually the, the vintage clothing store has closed down and moved out and I've taken over the lease for the whole space. Um, so we've just held on to the name, the Atlas theater. Uh, but yeah, that's how that happened. Wow. So if anybody else just has a spare theater line, around, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know, somebody out there might be banging on your door, uh, just like Alex did years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was weirdly serendipitous. <laughs> Uh, so I want to get to how you felt seeing this community grow and kind of lessons for, for people listening at home. But I've got a rare opportunity where I've got an improv comedian here. Mm. I feel like I've got to ask you to be funny. I refuse. I won't do it. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> uh, fa- failed attempt to, to make people want to laugh, cry, I, and I, all in between. We, you and I can just sit and make funny noises for a while if you want. Okay. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um... All right, so you arrive here in Seattle from Wisconsin, mm-hmm. start an improv weekly thing, build a group, a community. Ultimately, it turns into this business where you're you're running uh, CSE Seattle, home of comedy sports. Mm-hmm. How have you felt taking that journey? What walk us through the emotions you felt in this process? Oh, I mean that's a that's a big question because um, that's you know that's eight years worth of feelings. Um, it, 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 it definitely feels cool to uh, think that if I could get in a time machine and go tell myself that my crazy scheme worked, uh, that would I, I take a lot of pride in that, you know, because um, I, I started a, a 
improv comedy theater business uh, in a very expensive city at a time in which the uh, conventional wisdom would would be do not do that, right? <laughs> like, do not move to Seattle, which is having a huge tech growth boom, and then try and start like just sort of like haha make them ups funny times. <laughs> uh, don't that would not be a wise thing to do, but it it worked. So um, I I I, well, I guess one of the major feelings is pride. Um, uh, you know, but there's been a certain amount of um, tumult uh, with, you know, growth and different personalities to deal with over time. It's just like anything, you know, you, you encounter egos here or there. And, and sometimes it's not even that. It's just like, you know, my personality doesn't mesh with somebody else's uh, exactly. Um, so uh, those are some of the feelings. Okay. Yeah. And what's one lesson that you've learned that can be helpful to somebody who's you know, looking for a sense of community uh, as a city is changing just so rapidly. Um, what's a lesson you've learned that could be helpful to that person? For the person who's trying to start a community or for the person who is looking for community? You know, either one, because uh, you could have joined somebody else's. Uh, you chose to build one. So, right. Um, yeah, whatever, whoever you want. Um, I think maybe, uh, if, you know, if you're going to... Um... If you're going to join, uh, if, you, if you're looking to, to join, to find community, um, uh, it's something like uh, like have have a have a loose grip. Uh, don't don't come in and be and 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 go. I'm going to do all the things right now today. You know, I'm going to I'm going to uh, meet every single person and then and then you know. Uh, it's like just just you know just be yourself and 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 have a good time and and that's the main thing is have fun with whatever it is you're doing because you're not going to keep doing it if it's not fun. You see people and and they for example they want to get really good at improv really fast and so they they take it too seriously uh, and they um, you can see them stressing themselves out about it. So the thing I often tell people in improv specifically is like stop working so hard. Like we're literally doing playtime make it up. Um, so, and I can see you working to say the funny thing. Like, it shouldn't be work. It should be play. Um, and so the best example of that, oh, here, too, you and I will do an improv game right now. All right, let's right. do it. That's what the audience wants. Yeah, that's, that's good. Here we go. So um, uh, we're gonna, you and I are going to tell a story one word per person at a time. Okay. Okay, so um, I'll start. And So I'll say once. You say upon. Okay, and, upon. And I'll say uh, and you say time, and then we'll just be off to the races at that point. You got it. So, okay. Once upon a time there was a kid who lost his dog in the park. And his mom was furious at him. So he looked at himself in the mirror and cried. Okay, that's our story. <laughs> like, <laughs> wonderful. Um, I think that was really funny. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. I think um, you know you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, but, Am I ready to join the team? Well, you it? did. You did really good. <laughs> okay. You did really good. Like, because you didn't. It wasn't. I. I. The. The point I was trying to illustrate a moment ago was that it, you weren't working hard, right? You might try the same exercise with somebody who wants to do improv and they really want to be funny they want to be the best improv person today right now and so they'll do it like you know you will do another one and i'll pretend i'm the person who's working too hard you, you say once once upon uh time there um was a a little angel then 
right? Like we're, you can see people do that all the time. They just they just want to be. And so I and guess, for the listener at home, your face is turning red, and you're making very I mean kind of funny expressions, but they're not very. Um, they were not pleasing to watch. Yeah, no, an audience, <laughs> uh, people can whiff that. Um, yeah. And so uh, I think probably the same is true of if you're trying to find a community. You know, it's like you just don't don't, don't work too hard. Uh, approach it from a place of joy. Have fun. What has this community meant to you? So you've said pride and you've said it's a, it's a business for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond pride and a business, what has having this group of people coming together to make people laugh at comedy sports um, or at CSE Seattle, what has that meant to you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's it is kind of my uh, my tribe of the, the kinds of it's a self selecting group of people, um, the kind of person who wants to do improv comedy, um, and uh, uh, so for example, imp- improv comedians are not the same as stand up comedians, right? They're very different personality type. There's the whole lone wolf, um, cynical thing of doing stand up. Um, which I like stand up. Uh, I used to do it, um, uh, and then but also improv comedians are not the same as actors, right? Like actors have a very different like, you know, with acting it's like tell me what to do, you know, and I'll say the lines that I've been handed, right? It's a different kind of creativity. Um, so there's something about um, improvisers that I just enjoy. Uh, they're my kind of people. Uh, they. They they relish in in making the next mistake, whatever the next mistake is. Who can't wait to make it, right? Um, and that's a fun kind of person I like being around. I want to get to concluding thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I want to give you a chance to plug um, comedy sports and CSZ Seattle. When, why, and how should somebody come on down? Yeah, absolutely. They should um, visit our website cszseattle.com. Cszseattle.com. It's shorthand for comedy sports. Um, and uh, there you can find. Information on all of our shows. Uh, if you you know if you're wanting to get involved in this community, uh, t- you know take sign up for our 101 class. Our 101 classes do sell out, so if you want to sign up for one, sign up now. Um, we do we have an improv drop-in jam every Wednesday. Uh, comedy sports is our all ages, family friendly show. You can bring the kids, you can bring grandma, you can bring a date. Everyone will have a great time. Um, we also have a bunch of other shows that like our t- you know 10, 10 p.m. shows on Fridays and Saturdays that are not for everybody, right? Like okay. 18 and over only. <laughs> Um, so if that's something you want to see, then come see that, right? Like we always say, we have a show called Their Blue Show, which is the, um, the, uh, the purposefully dirty adults only show, right? So the Blue Show, what we say about it is you know, that show you can shout out any filthy, depraved suggestion you want, and then you can watch five people act that out, and then you can wonder why you wanted to see that in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a, it's, it's a fun show. I really enjoy it too. So, um, yeah, so classes, and, and we also do road shows and uh, team building events and uh, all manner of things. And I could vouch for the the funny aspect of the comedy sports as you generously hosted a a group of volunteers as we made uh, thank you cards for veterans. We were then Mm -hmm. treated to a wonderful show at uh, CSE Seattle. So CSEseattle.com. Closing thoughts on Seattle, the changes and building community here. Sure. Um, well, I mean, this place is growing without a doubt, um, and I think as people move here, particularly with the number of people who move here for tech, um, people are, you know, they're looking for community. Um, I think improv is a great way for people to get into community because it's necessarily a communal art form. It's, it's you know, we we say it's art by committee, right? That's how you do improv. It's spontaneously creating art by committee. Um, so um, I encourage people to jump on board with that. Alex, uh, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. All right. Thanks, man. That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. 
Now I want to hear from you. How are you building or finding community in this dynamic city? Reach out to me on Twitter at Prof Shulman to let me know. Or come tell me in person at the next screening of On the Brink on Tuesday, June 25th at the Northwest African American Museum. Head to www.onthebrinkmovie.com to get tickets. Don't just take it from me. The Stranger deemed it, and I quote, worth watching, and Crosscut noted that the history lesson here is one all Seattleites would benefit from learning. Go to www.onthebrinkmovie.com to get tickets. Our premiere sold out, so get your tickets today. Next week, we continue to look at building community through the lens of comedy, as I got a chance to interview nationally renowned comedian Shane Moss. He's appeared on Late Night TV and Comedy Central. He's toured nationally, and he offers an outside perspective on Seattle from someone who visits to perform here. He also shares valuable lessons he's learned about finding community. And my other guest next week is going to be Thomas Konstam. He's written a novel based in 1990s Seattle called Lake City, and he shares how he's found the community evolve over the decades that he's lived here. If you are looking for a sense of belonging, but might not be ready to build your own community, you won't want to miss what these guests have to say. Before we close out this episode, I want to thank Pamela Burton for her help with the audio, and Ed Cromer for his work on the UW Foster School of Business blog. I also want to acknowledge the voice you heard at the introduction of this episode. That was Dave B., who appeared on Season 4 of Seattle Growth Podcast, which explored the past, present, and future of Seattle's music scene. I hope you'll join me next week. And in the meantime, I'm Jeff Schulman, and I thank you for joining me on this journey in the sixth season of Seattle Growth Podcast.